0: Hello, Dr. to the podcast. I'm Ron, your co-host, Henry.
1: I'm your co-host, Matthew.
0: And today we're doing a very fun topic, I think, of like, quite a controversial one, I think, in some ways, because um, people have their, their choices and some people will die by their choices. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're doing essentially a Marvel versus DC topic. And but I want to clarify that whilst we're calling it that, it's not going to be like a war of like <laughs> what's better and what's worse and whatever. Um, it's just, you know, we like movies that are good. And both people, both <coughs> teams make good movies every once in a while. And we want to talk about, the I guess it's compare and contrast their approaches to the same genre um, and the same type of filmmaking, which is the blockbuster uh, genre superhero filmmaking and how well the pros and cons of both. Um, yeah, but before we get to that, I just want to quickly mention that we do have a, a podcast, uh, an Instagram account, sorry, um, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast. Uh,
1: yeah, I'd, I'd like to mention we have a podcast.
0: <laughs> we, do, we do have a podcast. Don't know what you know about that. <laughs> this is the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, at Marvelous sorry. Cinema Podcast. <laughs> it's all right, at Marvelous Cinema Podcast on Instagram. Um, we're doing reviews during the week and a podcast that comes out uh, just it once during the week and. Uh, it's, it's usually free posts a week, uh, so look forward to those things. Uh, at the moment, we have got a Harry Potter set, set of reviews coming out for each film. Um, not the Fantastic Beasts films quite yet. <laughs> we'll see if I ever do those films. <laughs> um, we also got a Twitter account, at Cinema Marvelous, where the same thing over there, but over on Twitter. Uh, posts during the week and a podcast once a week. Um, feel free to contact us or share us or like our, our stuff that we upload or... You know, whatever you can, or, you know, leave a review on any podcast you're listening on. It's very much appreciated and very much helps with getting us out there, I think. Um, Algorithms and all that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, yeah. So, yeah, that's us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. But how do I, how do we start a podcast that's about Marvel VDC? (laughs) Because it's Uh, a big
1: one. There's a lot. Um, I have been spending my morning doing a bit of statistics stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Um okay. So I, uh, I've best been looking at box office. I've been looking at review sites, scores. I've got some averages.
0: Oh, okay, right.
1: Let me tell you, finding the average uh, box office per film of twenty-seven films in one franchise was not a particularly easy task.
0: <laughs> I don't a,
1: know why I did it to myself.
0: That's the mathematics that I learned in done GCSE. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's.
1: I gotta. I gotta use that A-level somehow. <laughs> um Uh, so right right. i'm gonna i'm gonna pose a few questions to you first okay okay. let's see what you know see what what you can figure out (laughs) if you had to guess right how much do you think the mcu's made
0: overall okay well okay so i think i'm pretty sure that avengers and iron man 3 and like every spider-man film aside from the first one has made at least a billion Mm -hmm. um there was a good run of films where, after the Infinity War, they all made a billion. So, we're in that range of territory. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So, one billion, two billion, three billion, four billion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like eight billion at this point because they've had so many billion dollar movies that have happened. Back really? To back. I'm seven, six, seven? I don't know. It's. It's hard because they've like, yeah, they've just made a run of films that back to back has got a billion dollars in the box office.
1: <clears throat> you, you, you're very right. There are there are quite a few that are billions in a row. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you're quite cold.
0: Oh really? Okay. Am I less or more?
1: You are. Uh, you're less than.
0: Okay. 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 <laughs> oh God. So I didn't think about adding up the actual million dollar movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay. Oh man, um, this is hard. S- Sixteen billion.
1: <laughs> Add another nine billion.
0: Oh my God! Really? Twenty-five
1: point six billion.
0: Jesus Christ! Right? Okay. <laughs>
1: um, in comparison, um, how much do you think the DC has made?
0: Oh. All <laughs> the DCEU or just DC in general? I
1: I've I've included basically my the list includes every major d c film since man of Steel
0: oh, okay <clears throat> it's okay so right has any d c e u film made a billion dollars
1: that that was gonna be one of my next questions
0: um,
2: I'm trying to think i don't I
0: I don't think they have i think Birds of Prey and, you know, Suicide Squad definitely didn't do that. I don't think. Um, none of the of stuff ever made a billion. I don't think. Well, ooh, BVS might have done it because it was a big deal. Um, ooh, I don't know. It's it's definitely less than the MCU, I think. Um, so yeah. number one. There's less films and also they're less kind of a major draw for people going to them generally. Um I don't know. Um I'm thinking this is more in between like 10 ooh, I don't know, 10 billion and 15 billion maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, yeah. 6.2 billion.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, it it's yeah, it's significantly less partly because there are just there are just less films.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um intro, you did you did touch on whether any of them uh, crossed the billion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh two of them did.
0: Okay. Which, which two well, do you think they are? I think BVS.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Because that was just like, even though the reviews weren't great and all that, it was, you know, a big deal coming out. Okay. Um, Man of Steel and Justice League definitely didn't do that much money, I don't think.
2: Mm-hmm. They didn't?
0: <sighs> I'm just trying to think of a DCU film that was like popular, popular in terms of people going to see it. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I I have to be honest, one of them I think I knew before doing this but the other one did surprise me. I didn't think it had made as much as it did.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I think, I don't know if you can hear that, by the way, there's a Hoover outside. <laughs> Sorry about that. I can't <laughs> hear it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go for a film that was not many people liked, <laughs> but I think people have seen it a lot. And I think, because I know people going to see it and being excited for it because of the trailers. Mm-hmm. And then coming out of like, ah, oh, that was fine, and I hated it. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go for Suicide Squad, the first one.
1: That's not a bad shout. I would have probably argued that as well. Okay, but it's it's not quite. Which one is both? The right, right, so both billion dollar films are post Justice League. Oh, the first Justice League, yeah, League yeah.
2: <laughs> one.
0: Um, what films came out? Birds of Prayer. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> um, oh, oh, Aquaman. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember that now. Yeah, that's weird.
1: <laughs> the other one, I, I kind of pulled it dirty because it's probably the one that is less associated with the DC Hmm. Yeah. I
0: yeah. I think I I remember when Aquaman was coming out, and it was it was very weird to hear everyone people that I wouldn't expect to talk about these movies to be talking about Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't tell why.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then I realised, I think it's just because of the the general, I don't know, the look and the vibe of Jisman mm-hmm. And <laughs> what people assumed an Aquaman film would be with him in it. And it ended up being quite, I don't want, yeah, it ended up being quite campy and quite grimy-ish, I would say, in some ways. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not sure how that went down with those people that went to go see it, think it was going to be a Jisman film. <laughs> um, yeah. That yeah, that was all surprising to me. That that film was the one that got a billion. Um, yeah, that's that's weird.
1: Mm. The other one you might remember, because um, it was quite a, quite a big news headline, because it was the first ever R-rated film to cross a billion.
0: Mm-hmm. Joker. Um, oh, oh yeah, it did. That's weird as well, isn't it? <laughs> Very weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah. really I think. Hard... As well so with with Aquaman. If you look at all the MCU ones that that crossed a billion dollars, and you think, well, they're not exactly loved. You can you can actually point to other factors of why it made a billion. Yeah. Because you you can look at Iron Man three, for example. Some people love it, some people don't love it. But you know, post Avengers hype as well.
2: Yeah.
1: You can understand why it made a billion. Yeah. Um. Same goes for you know, Black Panther and Captain Marvel. They were both quite landmarks in representation. So you can also imagine why they made it. Yeah, Aquaman.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think, (laughs) I I think like looking at Marvel films, you can definitely judge by the time period that they came out in and what the films are like, what the actors or whoever is in the film are, you know, who like who they are. Mm -hmm. You can kind of guess that that film will be the one to get a billion. Um, Yeah, like you said, like Iron Man Three getting a billion dollars wasn't because, you know, people love Iron Man 2 so much and were like, I'm going to see Iron Man 3 now. It was like, it probably would have made more money than Iron Man 2 because they were getting more and more popular those films. But um, yeah, it was definitely because of the Avengers hype. Like you can tell what's going to shoot these films at the stardom. Um, especially, I think it was especially crazy during the time of um, Infinity War and Endgame, like that time mm-hmm. period where every film made a billion. <laughs> um <laughs> That was insane. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I mean, Spider Man No Way Home now has made like more than Avatar, at least in America, I
1: think. Mm. It's well, by the way, I'd like to say that these box office ones are worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No Way Home is currently sitting on 1.8 billion, wow. which is crazy for the pandemic era. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. It's like in the pandemic as well. But yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel quite bad about, you know, I mean, I say quite bad. It's not like, you know, they are a billion dollar studio and they're making films and they can do whatever they want and it is Disney, but um, I, I always kind of felt bad that, you know, Shang-Chi and Black, pa- uh, Black Widow came out and it was unfortunately mostly like a Disney Plus sort of thing or mm. it came out during a pandemic and it wasn't like, I think those films didn't have the pull of like Spider-Man or an Avengers film before it to like get it to a billion. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Which is a shame because those films, both those films are quite good. Um Yeah yeah it's i think financially at least like you're saying here like it's easy to tell that one is more successful in terms of just sheer numbers mm-hmm. um, yeah
1: yeah i think as well with general box office it's a little unfair to compare them because there's just been so many more films from marvel yeah um which is why i did a, I did a further calculation <laughs> right um on average an mcu film makes Nine hundred and forty nine million.
2: Right. Nine hundred and forty
1: nine and a half million nearly. Mm-hmm. Um whereas compared to DC where the average is four hundred and seventy-nine million. So five hundred five hundred and seventy-nine million. Right. <laughs> which is quite a divide.
0: Yeah, that's a big divide actually, yeah.
1: It's a leap it's a leap of sixty-five percent.
0: Hmm. This is some actual math
1: here. <laughs> I know. Believe me, I'm I'm both proud and saddened by it, <laughs> how I was able to do this. Mm. Um, so I, I've got a few more questions, if you'd like to go through them.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm enjoying this.
1: <laughs> what do you think is the lowest uh, box office for DC?
0: Oh, for DC? I mm. think you actually know this one because it really surprised me when it happened. Mm-hmm. The film is quite good. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good, actually, and it came out before pandemic times, so it wasn't even affected by that. It was just a weird thing that happened. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna say a birds of prey.
1: It is Birds of Prey is third least. Oh, okay. There are two more below it.
2: Is there? Okay.
1: Um You know, weirdly, the bottom three right this is this is kind of a clue. Weirdly the bottom three for me are probably three of the best ones.
0: Oh, okay. The DCEU?
1: yeah, from the DC, uh, from the DCU.
0: Right. Okay. Um, Wonder Woman. Which one? Uh,
1: the
0: the first one. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. The, well, the second one came out in, online, didn't it? Um. Uh. Wonder Woman two. Yeah.
1: Wonder Woman two. You are correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. I think partly because of the the whole HBO Max thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It grossed one hundred and (laughs) sixty-six million.
0: (laughs) Right, which not great.
1: uh, Yeah, Uh, compare that to uh, sort of, I suppose you could say, a similar film that was released onto streaming Mm -hmm. on the Marvel side, Black Widow, that made three hundred (laughs) and (laughs) seventy-nine million. (laughs) Right. So yeah, quite a gulf. And the next lowest is the Suicide Squad, which breaks my heart.
0: (laughs) Aww. The new one, I'm assuming.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the new one. The old the the first one is one of the like, the third or after the two billion dollar ones it's probably the third most box office one. I lost yeah. words then.
0: Box office one, yeah, the highest crossing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah the highest most that's the correct term.
0: <laughs> the most box office one. Um yeah, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um mm. That is surprising. I thought that I thought that the Suicide Squad was quite popular, but I'm assuming because of the time frame it came out, it was just a bit um, held down, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a shame, because obviously the first one... I mean, people i are finding more and more often that people generally uh, actually quite enjoyed the first Suicide Squad film, um, mm. because, I don't know, I think it just had like a lot of hype around it, and I think... I never come out of so the cinema the first time I saw it, and I did think at the time it was fine. I didn't really hate it. Mm. I think it's more upon looking at it back look, looking back on it i'm like wow that's a real big missed opportunity and having to compare it to the new one which is much better um it's kind of obvious how much it missed opportunity now <laughs> um, yeah so it's really quite sad that the one that's easily the better one is the one that's been kind of less watched i guess um yeah it's real shit hmm,
1: yeah it's on the yeah if yeah i'm just looking at the numbers and it's just kind of it's kind of maddening <laughs> um yeah on the flip side what you think the lowest grossing uh, marvel film is
0: oh okay i think i know i think it's pretty easy actually incredible hulk
1: yep. yeah. yeah yeah 264 million
0: <laughs> all right that's not terrible or anything it's just you know for marvel yeah. it's quite bad
1: <laughs> under the radar kind of kind of level
0: yeah um, people often look at it as like the the you know the one film that's not actually a part of the universe, even though it kind of is. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's much point asking you what the, the highest grossing Marvel film is.
0: It, it is Endgame, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is okay. Endgame.
0: Because my only question there was, maybe No Way Home has finally beaten
1: it. <laughs> no, it, it, it's still a billion behind.
0: Right. Oh. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just one billion. <laughs> Although they are going for a re-release, so you never know. I did see that, yeah. <laughs> With more scenes. I wonder if it's another CGI unfinished Hulk.
0: I was gonna say that because that's what I remember about the new cut of Endgame. <laughs> oh, God, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, which of the Snyder films do you think grossed the most? Grossed the most? Uh,
0: BVS, I think. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Weirdly, it was... um, there there aren't any numbers for. They're just there for the Snyder cut of the Justice League.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was
1: never released commercially I don't think
0: yeah they kind of hid that one didn't they <laughs> mm.
1: couldn't find any numbers
0: yeah I think they won't want to hide how popular it might have been <laughs> yeah. they don't have to do it again mm. yeah
1: it's one statistic that I have to lean on <laughs> yeah mm. um, yeah so that's kind of their specific numbers One of the, I, I did do another franchise for the point of comparison Mm-hmm. I did Transformers. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought this was an interesting point of reference. Right. Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to why I chose them later. Um, <laughs> do you think the Transformers franchise grows more or less than the DCEU?
0: Oh, God. Um,
1: this is including Bumblebee.
0: Um, uh, I'm going to say yes, because it would be the surprising answer.
1: <laughs> so, it's, wait, so you think Transformers grows more?
0: The all six films.
1: Yeah. It
0: didn't. I
1: think it didn't. Oh <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> no, but on average per film, the Transformers film did films did grow small.
0: Yeah, because I th- in my mind I remember then those films until like the last one being so popular money wise. Um, they
1: did the two billion dollars. So yeah, two billion dollar films in there.
0: Yeah, because. Especially the fourth one, I think, because that was marketed a lot to China because it was set in set in China for no mm. other reason. Um, uh, I remember that one being quite uh, popular in terms of box office. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think the only reason that we didn't get *Transformers* seven, eight, and nine with Michael Bay directing is because the fifth one didn't do as well. Um,
1: it didn't? No, it didn't. Yeah, um, it's I think crazy. It's crazy to to say that six hundred and five million is a disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah. I think
0: I always look, like, I always think about this sort of thing that we've kind of got with studios now, where um, they have uh, this expectation that their first film in their new franchise makes a billion dollars. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and you look back on, you know, obviously the MCU and stuff like that, and you're like, Iron Man didn't make that much money. Like, it made enough money, and people liked it enough um, to build from that until we got to, you know, the first Avengers film and Iron Man 3 which were the, the billion-dollar films, which, which was their fifth, fourth or fifth films, I think.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so this idea now that we have of, like, if this film doesn't get a billion dollars in the opening weekend, we, we're packing it up, we're done. <laughs> like it's yeah.
1: This, Why? <laughs> yeah, because well, by comparison, um, the fifth film from the MCE was Captain America 1,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which got $370 million at the box office.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The fifth film from the DCEU was Justice League, which got 657.
2: (laughs) Right. Now,
1: granted, obviously, the time frame is different. Man of Steel was released a couple of years after, I think the year after the first Avengers. Yeah. Um, So that comparison isn't necessarily strong, but it's just weird to think that MCU didn't necessarily have, the, like you said, they didn't have the billion-dollar entries to begin with
0: no no definitely not they were they were like it's weird to think back on it but for about like a couple of years at least they were like the underdog mm. of these movies like people liked all of them i would say and even iron man 2 and incredible hulk they were like yeah like they're fine they're not like you know a or, or whatever <laughs> um, and they made enough money but like they weren't the the leading force in the blockbuster movies until uh the Avengers or, or you know even Avengers 2 I think really mm. um yeah it's weird
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's it just yeah um one more thing to, to go through through my mathematical stuff one part of it is I also looked at some uh, review score numbers
0: mm, interesting
1: <laughs> so forewarning I feel like I have to say this this is not an indication of whether the film is good or not mm-hmm. This is just a general con- idea of what people thought.
2: Yeah.
1: How I how, how, how received it was and I've gone through them. Also, I should have mentioned this before I did the box office numbers. But <laughs> yeah. I've counted the films. I've counted the ones specifically MCU and specifically DCU. So I have not included films that have been retconned into continuity.
0: Uh, so, ah. Yeah, for okay. example,
1: I haven't included the Raimi trilogy or the Amazing Spider-Man films
0: yeah
1: okay nor have right. I included Batman 89
0: <laughs> right yeah
1: um, so yeah it's, it's just from the first film allocated like the title so from the first MCU film film Iron Man and the first DCU film Man of Steel
2: mm-hmm.
1: right so similar <laughs> question as before what do you think the highest review scores are for the We, we say which so I've, I've got Ron Tomato with Metacritic and IMDb mm-hmm what do you think the highest Rotten Tomato score is for Marvel?
0: Oh, for Marvel, okay. Oh, um, I'm going to say it's between Endgame and No Way Home. Does that sound
1: right? Interesting.
0: Here? Yeah. Um, it's earlier. Earlier? Oh, okay. Mm. Um, Black Panther.
1: Yep.
0: Is that the highest rated
1: one? On Rotten is ninety six percent.
0: Oh, okay, right, okay.
1: Um, you are you were, you were close to end game. End game's ninety four percent, and nowhere home's ninety three.
0: I'm pretty sure every single um uh, uh homecoming trilogy film is a ninety percent at least. So that's interesting.
1: We uh, have a look. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah,
1: it is yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right.
0: It Quite right for a trilogy to get ninety percent on of Miles every time.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's, I think. Weirdly, the scores are stronger as uh, as they've gone on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think, yeah.
1: especially with with the IMDb scores, um, there's a stretch of a good film where they're all at least seven. Mm. Yeah, which is respectable.
0: Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's any. I'm not sure. I might be wrong, but I don't think there's any of that. Just like a five point five or anything like
1: that. No, there isn't. Not for IMDb. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what, what uh, they generally sort of follow in the. The highest meta critic score is also for Black Panther. Okay. Um eighty eight. Um now this is an interesting one. What do you think the highest IMDB one is?
2: Um
1: uh,
0: I don't know. I think um, I don't know. I think uh maybe I'm gonna just go for like, the simple answer, I think, of like what I think is the most popular I think and that would probably be Endgame the game again close <laughs> close
1: if you'd gone for the other one you mentioned when talking about ron to myers you'd be right oh nowhere hall yeah nowhere hall
0: is the highest rated one on
1: uh
0: yeah
1: yeah
0: 8.7 oh wow okay i did not know that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: it's that's quite yeah.
1: impressive <laughs> um it is very impressive especially that it's maintained as long as it has just to like sort of talk about averages again for averages, I've included the Disney Plus TV shows. Yeah. Um, average Rotten Tomato score for Marvel is eighty four percent. Pretty good. Highest Metacritic score is sixty eight. Mm-hmm. Highest average is sixty eight, and mm-hmm. average IMDb is seven point four seven.
0: That's all pretty good, yeah.
1: Pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other thing, because I also had a look at the Net- the Netflix shows hmm you would you would imagine that daredevil was the highest scorer
0: i would definitely assume that yeah.
1: <laughs> Ron tomatoes it is however according to metacritic it is the third best disney pl- um netflix marvel show
0: which other two is ahead of it
1: <laughs> take a guess take a stab um i'm gonna give you a clue it's not iron fist
0: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, okay. <laughs> that helps. Um, Jessica Jones? Yeah. Um, Defenders?
1: No, Luke Cage.
0: Luke Cage, oh, okay, right. Um, I kind of forget that that all exists sometimes.
1: Mm, Punisher is generally quite poor scoring. Is it? Oh. IMDb's got 8.5, but on the other two, it's 64% on On-Termise and 55 on Metacritic.
0: Oh, I thought that, that series was quite well-liked, at least.
1: So um, did I, I quite enjoy it anyway
0: Yeah, I've only seen the first season I think
1: Because
0: um, hmm. I remember that being around the time Where it felt like they were canon to the MCU <laughs> um,
1: Yeah and then Maybe they time, are, maybe they aren't, who knows
0: Yeah, until like December Of last year it was very unclear <laughs>
1: um, So yeah, similar, similar thing for the DC films What do you think is the highest scorer?
0: Uh, oh, Rotten Tomatoes
1: Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes
0: um, I'm gonna say the Suicide Squad.
2: You're
1: close. Oh, it's the only other ninety-plus uh, scorer. Is the highest one. All right.
0: Hmm.
1: Think to think back to the early days.
0: The early days. Early-ish. Um. Oh God. Um. One woman. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, what do you think the lowest is?
0: I'm going to say BVS.
1: Nearly three percent less. Suicide Squad. Yep.
0: Okay. Material <laughs> <literary>, isn't it. <laughs>
1: um, however, interestingly, if you go for the entirety of the DCU, including TV shows. The highest score is peacemaker,
0: oh, that's nice. i have uh started watching that actually.
1: have you managed to find it
0: uh yeah <laughs> yeah not you know um <laughs> through.
1: We'll, uh yeah,
0: shh, we'll be yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to say that <laughs> um but yeah i have i've got like uh three episodes through it, and it's really good it's it's james Gunn just having you know he he wrote that show during a pandemic and just when he was bored inside his hotel or whatever and you get that sense from the show because it feels like it's just him having fun being free um
1: mm-hmm.
0: which suits the character very well as well um so it's very it's really good
1: oh good I, i'm gonna try and find a way <laughs> maybe i'll just wait yeah um I'm, I'm i'm kind of torn whether to ask you what the lowest imdb score is because again it's another how is it that low mm. soul destroying answer
0: oh um i'm going to assume therefore if it's kind of disappointing to hear this i'm going to assume it's wonder woman 2 yeah is it
1: oh, it's God. the lowest imdb score everything here all right 5.4
0: disappointing
1: IMDb, i know be better <laughs> just <to>, uh <laughs> just to round things off the averages for dc are 62% on Tomatoes, 58 on Metacritic, and 6.95 on IMDb. Right. Okay. And that's what I've got. Those are the statistics done.
0: <laughs> that was quite fun. I didn't know like these things about the Marvel films. I guess so. It's quite nice to like know the average and just how much Marvel is just no matter what doing well. I think. <laughs> mhm. I found a lot of success. Yeah. Like obviously, we have different imp- different opinions across the world about each film, but like generally they're doing this really well anyway
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um yeah i have just realized it's three (laughs) o'clock so oh yeah yeah
1: my alarm didn't go off oh (laughs) yeah i meant to have an alarm for these things (laughs) my phone's failed me
0: oh no have you got an iphone (sighs) or
1: no (laughs) no iphone for me yeah Let's just do this. It's a cloud atlas. People people listening to this, you know, you've got a an insight into how this works.
0: Yeah. We just upload on a, <laughs> at three o'clock every day. Kinda mm. forget that it happens.
1: <laughs> you know, I do it at three o'clock because I seem to remember being told at some point I was saying somewhere that three o'clock's the best time. But I now realize that, that was a good I don't know. Year ago I read that. <laughs> <laughs> So it's probably I very different now.
0: Might have changed, I don't know. I think social media and all that sort of thing just makes very little sense to me.
1: Um, yeah, yeah, it just doesn't doesn't click. I don't understand it.
0: I can never predict what's going to be popular every week.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very random. I think the first two posts we did when we came back were very good. I did very well. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, the last few are back to what we'd expect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, um, I think mean, it's quite nice still that you know people still like our posts.
1: Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? Yeah. After all yeah. this time. Could we? We've
0: been doing this podcast now for. Two, I don't know, <laughs> second quite year. Quite yeah. well. Yeah.
1: it second year?
2: I think it was.
1: It's probably been th- two years then.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay.
1: <laughs> wow cue another existential crisis yeah this is good i get to put it in the bio again
0: yeah every week we're gonna have a little one about something else
1: mm-hmm. although i don't think we'll get as deep as last week's time just goes so slow it goes so quickly <laughs> it really does look...
0: <laughs> it makes no sense
1: <laughs> cruel it's cruel, just a it's cruel cruel trick
0: I'm closer to 40 than I am to ten years. Well, actually that's wrong. <laughs> I'm closer to the forty. You jumped than too I am eagerly to... into that one. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's weird that being forty isn't a vague, abstract concept anymore. It's just gonna happen.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Marvelous Cinema podcast where we discuss aging.
0: <laughs> and the dread of this you know, the future.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. (laughs) We've read it all.
0: Yep. (laughs) I'm nearly
1: done. I'm just doing a few hashtags. Ah, yeah. Why? Why? Just auto-corrected Hugh Grant to high ranking.
0: (laughs) I don't know. He's very highly ranked on the top ten British actors of all time. (laughs) Probably. Barely sure than Cloud Atlas.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> he's just in it, just doing his thing.
1: I see you gave it a cheeky, uh, cheeky four five stars.
0: <laughs> I did, yeah. The I need something. to see it. I remember watching all my parents once, and, um, it was a very interesting experience, because I was, like, having the time of my life and all that, and <laughs> everyone was looking onto to my parents, and they're like, what is happening? <laughs> And the movie ends, it's not like anything gets answered. It's just sort of like, it just ends. And they're just like, all right, I'm going to bed. <laughs> and I'm like sitting there in tears.
1: <laughs> I was the film the day with my parents. And uh, it it's it sort all of finished. And my pa- my dad, first <laughs> my dad did. He looked over to me and said, so is there going to be a sequel?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and it was just some law-based thing with Brian Gosling and... Um. Oh, Odin. Anthony Hopkins. I
0: Anthony mean, Hopkins. Oh, it's
1: mm-hmm. a good pairing. Yeah. Anyway, that's posted. Oh, okay. Back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're back.
0: Um. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, where do you want to go from this? Because you want to? Because I have got a list here of just the the MCU films coming up and the DC films coming up. Hmm. So let's um, go through that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm good for that.
0: Um, okay. So for Marvel, especially the you know the MCU essentially, where we've got Moonlight March 30th, um, we got Doctor Strange and Multiverse and Madness May 6th, we got Thor: Love and Thunder at uh, July 8th, uh, we got Ms. Marvel on the summer of 2022, and Black Panther: Wakanda Forever November 11th, and She Hulk at uh, some point after that. I think. <laughs> and then DC movies, we have The Batman March 4th. Uh, Black Adam, July 29th, Uh, The Flash, November 4th, and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, December 16th, and that is it for DC and Marvel. Um, I think looking across that, those sort of lists, even just from that list, I think you get a sense that one has more of a plan than the other one does, (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I think, well, do you want to discuss DC first and what they're doing at the moment? and the very kind of unclear thing of what is the flash movie doing and is it there to attempt to make it make all sense even though i would argue i don't really need it to make more sense as when you do your own thing <laughs> um yeah i how do you feel about the flash being apparently the movie to fix it or whatever
1: well i think i think i very much similar to you in there. it just doesn't really need fixing it's not the thing is, is that is the timeline isn't confusing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's nothing that makes me think, makes me confuse me. It's not like Terminator, where you have no idea what's actually happening and what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's, it's not X-Men either in, in the terms of, are these people going to become Patrick Stewart and Ian, Ian McKellen? Are they not? Are they always going to be Michael Fassbender and, and James McAvoy?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no real confusion, so I don't understand why they feel the need to add confusion.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Because replacing Brian Affleck for Matt Michael Keaton is one way to confuse people. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think more than anything, because I know people are obviously angry on the internet as they always are. Yeah. Um, you know, Warner Brothers, public enemy number one, anyway, for various reasons. <laughs> um It's not really helping the case. Um, So even then, it's it's difficult to understand exactly why they do this. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, Maybe it's the logic of, well, Ben Affleck's pissed off, so (laughs) we need someone else. Instead of just going through the logical idea of recasting, they've decided, Mm -hmm. hang on, let's put 70-year-old Michael Keaton in a bat suit. (laughs) yeah let's just do that um but it's quite funny because the other day there was something that said andrew garfield said at 38 he feels too old to be (laughs) spider-man yeah Um, now we're watching
0: 70 year old batman
1: (laughs) uh, which you know nothing against 70 year olds and i would probably say that michael keaton is so far my favorite actor to be batman Hmm, okay um so yeah it's it's baffling. Um, and it's as well. If you look at sort of the DC slate, they, in, in one respect, they do seem closer to what they may have, should have done from the beginning. Yeah. In the, just doing pro- projects because they're interesting projects.
2: Yeah, I agree.
1: Matching Marvel was always a... It was always a bad idea, I think.
0: Yeah, I think it was always just a flawed idea to go start your universe on that foot. Just
1: following Marvel, yeah, it 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 felt, yeah, because as well, you'd always be on the back foot, you'd always be reacting. If that was the case, yeah, and in a way, they were, they did react because when when the darkness didn't rub off on the mainstream audience, they kind of you know, complete whiplash and decided to copy Marvel again,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it just, it just didn't work. Not really. <laughs> Uh, and so, to see them now, maybe going with more individual-based projects, stuff like the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, the Batman, mm-hmm. it just seems to make more sense. And I think that is where they are going to have their success in treading the ground that Marvel maybe aren't able to.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think from the get-go with the 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 you know the 2013 film Man and Steel, and that being. And I think in Wanderer's mind, their Iron Man film. Um mm-hmm. I think from the get-go, and I'm saying this as someone who quite likes and I would say even in some ways loves a lot of Snyder's trilogy that he made. Um especially a lot to do with uh, BVS. And I think
2: mm-hmm.
0: I love those films for how just Snydery they are. <laughs> and but I think it was a mistake to base your mainline cinematic universe. DC films to define the 2010, 2020s um, with a film by Zack Snyder. Because, I mean, it's I think it was a mistake from the get-go to kind of be like, oh, this is the first uh, superhero type thing that's ever happened in this DC universe of Man of Steel. And then to obviously branch out into different characters and to kind of lean away from Snyder's very, very, like, you know, in your face tone of this is this is gritty and realistic and dark and symbolic and all that sort of thing. Because um, obviously, if you go to different characters and get different directors, for example, you get James going to do a Suicide Squad film. It's going to feel really jarring, I think, in some ways. Because um, I think I, I do get the sense that it could have worked very well. But I think it's the handling that Warner Brothers have had of like not committing to their own plans has mm-hmm. been the major fault because um, a trilogy or maybe five films that he planned uh, Snyder with his mainline kind of just Justice League team could have been really good if they just stick to it until the very end and then maybe once that was over kind of just do their own little spin-offs or just completely just reboot again but the fact that they kind of got to the third film, panicked, pulled the plug, reshot and then went in a completely different direction with all their films, but are uncommitted to telling us whether or not they're in the same timeline or not mm. is really confusing. <laughs> um so I wouldn't say it's any of the film not I wouldn't really say it's any of the film's fault. I just think it's it's way that they were like, we're gonna make our Iron Man film to define the tone for the rest of the series i we're gonna get Zack Snyder to do it. And then to not obviously see what a Zack Snyder film would look like and be like And then to only realise that during the third film or, you know, shortly after the second film comes out. um, I think it's just really weird that they didn't see that happening. Um, Yeah, it's like getting a really controversial director to make the first Iron Man film who was just going to ruin the character, kind of, well not ruin the character, but like just have a majorly different interpretation of the character uh, that was not what you would expect, kind of the it's hard to put, but I feel like the Snyder films, to me, I feel like the, you know, the Elseworld Superman story mm-hmm. or like the Elseworld Batman. And that's great. I love that. But the fact that they were like, this is our main line, you know, you know, comic book character films. Uh, that These films are Iron Man, our Captain America, are, uh, you know, our four movie is going to be a Snyder trilogy just didn't, just doesn't make sense I don't think Um, Mm. and the panic that's ensued from that has just been the worst possible way of handling it and yeah because I think I don't know if you would agree or not but do you kind of at the very least even if they haven't handled it well or trying to retroactively explain it for no reason (laughs) do you kind of enjoy though that DC films at least in comparison to Marvel kind of have more freedom I would say to just do what they want to now
1: Mm, um, yes, uh, yeah, I, I do think so. I think that's probably the major benefit of the they Marvel. Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't me saying that I prefer one system to the other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm just saying that I prefer the system to be that one franchise is doing what the really other one can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah,
1: And I think it's better for everyone if you do have these two studios working differently. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Like a like sort of ying and yang kind of thing. Yeah. Um. It just, it makes sense because you don't have two things that are very similar going up against each other, and you don't have sort of the needless comparison of DC versus Marvel. I know I know that's what we've titled, titled this episode, but you know you know the kind of people that I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. That will always always compare them and say without doubt that one of them's better than the other one, and they hate people who disagree with them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so having a strategy where one studio is very much following a plan, this is the plan, this is where the story is going, we need the X, Y and Z to happen these characters need to be here doing this sort of thing um, and, and have DC be yeah, yeah, Matt Reeves, go on, make a Batman film mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which is it, it kind of is what they did with Snyder mm-hmm. but they just were looking over his shoulder the whole time
0: yeah, I think it had that thing of, for me at least, the Man of Steel film and BVS all kind of felt like the Todd Phillips making Joker film or Matt Reeves making a Batman film. Mm-hmm. Like, it's their version of the character, not just the character as the fans want it to be mm-hmm. finally seen on screen, if that makes sense. like, a,
2: mm-hmm.
0: And it's weird that they did that, got a really unique director to make their version of the character and then put all this pressure on it to be, like, their, you know... That's the start of their universe. Um which could do all these different crazy crazy things and have a green, green Lantern film that's you know maybe a bit wacky and all that sort of thing. Like
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's, it's a lot of pressure to put on one movie that you hire a director to do whose vision is not really gonna fit with that sort of freedom I would say, tonally.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um yeah, just a weird choice. Yeah.
1: Um yeah it's weird that uh, we saw I saw today that the Batman's fifteen here in the UK, is it? Oh, yeah, it's achieved the fifteen. Whereas I think in the in the US it's PG thirteen.
0: And I'm pretty sure as well that um, Deadpool is fifteen in our country as well. Deadpool. Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, it is, yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But isn't isn't it R rated in America?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's R rated. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think uh, yeah, the Batman we have, well, and the Batman and the Joker and all. I think Suicide quite as well. Like, those those films have the ability to um, be R-rated if they want to be. Like, I don't think if the Batman, if that reason really decided that the Batman was going to be R-rated, that the studio would have had too much of an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Disney and Marvel Studios, it's very much, we have our tone, we have our audience, let's not suddenly make Logan, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Which, you know, is, is they're doing what they're doing, and for the most part, I would say that they're doing it well so i i don't you know i don't really want to fault them for that but it's nice to have a variety mm. and i think sometimes one rivers and their idea of what they want uh, dc to be is this weird midway point between creative freedom and elsewhere sort of stories and directors coming in and doing their own version of it and they've got one foot in that and the other foot in what about a cinematic universe what about our end game like <laughs> stop like you don't need to do this and if you want to do that to stick with Snyder for his his Mm -hmm. five film arc he's going to do. Um, Because even that, you know, that would have been, I thought, was quite a good idea to do their own version of it, where it wasn't a director comes in for each film, there's something different, and we get kind of, we hire these, you know, the the Russo brothers, for example, to come in and do the last two. Um, Because the entire way through, it would have been the Snyder's vision the entire way through, five films, Mm -hmm. and that would have been over. and it would have been nice to have that but instead we got this two and a half film sort of job (laughs) that was just kind of half done and incomplete and now just left the whole universe in kind of this weird place of i'm not really sure if superman exists anymore (laughs) i don't i don't really know where he is um is it henry cavill i don't know i it might be um he definitely wants to play the part again but it's like it's crazy i think and it's just a perfect example of how marvel are so you know, I want to, you know, they are on track for what they want to be doing to the point where they just made, you know, a, I don't know what they make. They're, they're making a new night show, for example, and they're making a She-Hulk film, uh, not film, uh, TV shows. And they're probably going to be very popular and very well regarded. But we're still struggling to get even one su- Superman film off the ground. <laughs> like, that's in- weird. Like, it's Superman and we're having more trouble with that character than anyone else. Um Mm-hmm. There's an actor raring to go to another film, and he's a super famous star, and everyone loves him, and we're still struggling to get one film made. Um, it's just you know, it's just really weird, <laughs> and you'd think by now they would have some sort of plan in mind, um, but they clearly don't and they don't want to have a plan but they hmm. seem like they do want to have a plan so it's so confusing
1: it um, is it, it feels like they've had this idea of going in their own sort of different directions individual projects like you said elsewhere almost elseworld stories mm-hmm. and it seems that they want to go for that but they've also had cold feet yeah, yeah. i think that, that's what a lot of it is it's that they like the idea of it but they're just reluctant to commit to it mm-hmm. and if uh, they did yeah you 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 might end up with something that people don't like, which you kind of ended up with with the Snyder one, with people hating it, people loving it. Mm. But I think that the the problem they had with that was that that very early on they committed to to these five films. Yeah. And they they committed to, to the idea of melding a shared universe and an artistic vision into one.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think what the main issue was in their approach was they came out in twenty thirteen. The, the first film came out in twenty thirteen, and it was being made during 2012-2011. and during that time period, the the Dark Naturality was a massive hit, and the Avengers film was about to come out, and all this sort of thing. And I think we look at the mid two thousands and like that sort of the ten year period two thousand to two thousand ten. I would say quite a big, um, uh, you know, I don't, know what, I don't want to call it like the mold for like what a blockbusters are going for with their franchises is like director, director-driven trilogies, and that was very much a big hype thing, like Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings and the Matrix trilogy and all that sort of thing, and the Raimi trilogy, and they were going for that, but they were also coming up against this whole cinema universe idea, where you get. Different, direct, different directors to come in and sort of make their own corner of the universe and then get one big film when it all comes together and it was sort of like this weird half half in and half out thing of like we're half doing cinema universe we're half doing director driven trilogy you know mm-hmm. and it led to this odd thing where again I really love quite a lot of Man of Steel big BVS and um, Snyder, the Snyder Cut um, I really quite enjoy it and love what it's going for, at least. And but I do think it's just a bad starting point to have this sort of a very mixed creative idea of where you were going. And by like you saying before, I do think the yin yin and yang sort of aspect to the DC Mall thing thing is that whenever I'm kind of I don't want to say sick of, but like not particularly. Not particularly I don't know excited about Marvel's kind of way of making films at the moment I do think I always look towards t- DC and I do get a sense of oh but I have got this other you know um, side of the t- side of the genre that is giving me that kind of fresh perspective on the characters through different directors which I would like to see more of in the MCU but I'm getting that more from DC so it is quite nice that when you're kind of like oh I'm not really into the whole Cinema universe, everything's connected, sort of thing that you can't look at DC and see that they're making The Suicide Squad or even Wonder Woman 84, which is so, you know, it was so like rejected, I guess, by audiences because it it's so like weird and different. Mm-hmm. And it's a film that, you know, is a superhero film that has not that much accent and it is, for the most part, a love story. And it's really quite sweet and kind of goofy and campy. And it's just like so earnest. And I think that's something that. Whilst I enjoy and I think there is a lot of earnest aspects of the Marvel films, I do think that their the model of their uh, their comedy can kind of be it kinda of can undercut that sometimes. And mm. but whereas, you know, with D C sometimes we just don't really get that as much. We just sometimes just get completely earnest, either serious or goofy films, like we're going to get the we got the Joker film, which is you know, we have our kind of mixed ideas about that film, what it actually end up being like, but it's undeniable that it's kind of a miracle that I got made and that it made a billion dollars. Um, and you, I, I would hope that DC learned from that and kind of went, for the most part at least, kind of go, oh well we made a completely unique weird film about the Joker that has no action scenes, it's just you know watching a guy for two hours be go slowly crazy <laughs> and it made a billion dollars. Maybe we can take more risks and I was hoping for that and I think so far the Again, still annoyingly half doing it, Um, Mm -hmm. which is I think the most infuriating part is like the half doing it. It's like they're not committing to anything really. Um, Would you like? Would is that your hope for the future of DC? Would you hope that they would be more like? I know we that especially you, you don't love at all the Joker film, Um, (laughs) but would you at least say that it's interesting that if they went down that route of just one-off films or from directors. Would you prefer that to what they're doing now?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah, I've not. I've made it clear that I don't like that film, <laughs> yeah. but I like the idea of the film. Mm-hmm. Like I like the concept, the existence of a film that is just one sort of more character-driven film with a director who's come in with a vision, written the script or whatever, or directed of or, the draft. Obviously, do not have to, have to have written the script, but you know what I mean. Yeah. They've come in to do this project because it's something they want to do and it's disconnected. It's about the story they're telling. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. And I think, like I said, DC just need to commit to that and and do that more thoroughly because you can have a really impressive repertoire of films if you have Matt Reeves in that corner making Batman films. If If they're having success, then yeah, give him more money. Let him continue with them. Yeah, but those films don't have to impact what what's going over here or going on over here with Shazam, for example,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: Dwayne Johnson in that corner doing his Shazam film. Which again, I'm not overly excited for the Shazam, the not Shazam, um, Black, Black Adam. Adam. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm not overly excited for it, but I'm just happy that it is. You know, it's The Rock doing his passion project that he's been working on for ten years. And it being kind of disconnected. Yeah, he wants to fight Superman. But (laughs) yeah. He is still very much focused on that one project and where that one character can go. Mm -hmm. So it just feels odd that you have The Flash going, doing sort of, doing this thing where he's rebooting the whole franchise. Meanwhile, you've got Patty Jenkins and Gal Goddard on Wonder Woman 3, Mm -hmm. who. At the start, we're very much part of a franchise, but now I'm just doing whatever they want to do. Yeah, and it's sort of that disconnect, and I can see there being quite a major problem because if if the Flash does reboot the DCU mm-hmm. and it's a different Batman, different other characters, where does the, Where do those Wonder Woman films and the Aquaman film fit?
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's confusing, isn't it?
1: Because obviously the directors would have gone into those films, James Wan and Patty Jenkins, when they started their films with those characters. They would have started off in a very much this is the universe, you have to conform to this situation. Mm -hmm. Now they're doing their own thing and they've kind of got that freedom. Yeah. But all of a sudden if you have this big event happening in the Flash film, it disrupts them a bit when it really shouldn't. Yeah. And again, it's a result of that lack of commitment. They're either, you need to either tell them the part of a universe so that they know where the borders are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or tell them they have free reign to do whatever they want, in which case they don't have to worry about that and they don't have to worry about in the future being told that you can't do something.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree.
1: I it's think. just like a lack of communication.
0: Yeah, it's like they're all in the rooms. Making their own universes and no one's in between them, like handing notes to each other. It's just mm-hmm. like in separate rooms doing their own thing, and
1: which there's... which ultimately is fine and you can do that,
0: yeah. Providing
1: but... several films down the line, you don't all of a sudden tell them that they are part of a shared universe.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's the weird part, and I, I think that really became clear to me when I um, uh, the, I think that Rock himself like uploaded a like a one minute trailer sort of thing for. <laughs> The DC universe and what's happening with it, and it had this like moment near the end where they kind of um, they show you know the upcoming films and all the characters in their old kind of color schemes and their their logos, and it was all like vastly different and weird. And we got an aqua movie by James Wan again. That's going to be mm-hmm. goofy and campy. Hopefully, again, it's going to be weird. And we got the Batman film coming from, from Matt Reeves. We've got the rocks passing project with Black Adam, and like all these different things. And I was like, this is. Really quite exciting, and I was like getting really excited for it because it's it's a studio that's making he has these right comic book characters and then actually just giving directors free reign on the characters and I thought that was really fun and really interesting and then the only issue that I really had after I thought about it for a little bit was i don't really the only issue is that when you start to explain how that connects to that it becomes just kind of like a like a a really it's a task to watch them now because it's not you know, a director having fun with a character and seeing where at least them it's this weird sort of prerequisite of like how's it connecting? How do you make Matt Reeves Batman make sense in the Aquaman universe? And it's like, I don't really care. I I honestly could live the rest of my life well without ever seeing Robert Patterson interacting with Justin more on screen. <laughs> like it's it's totally fine. I don't really need to see it, it's fine. Um and I'm just hoping that I think there is a you know. I think down the line if they just waited like five to ten years if they made like the third flash film the multiverse flashpoint film Mm. instead of right now his first film is a flashpoint film um if they made it the third film or something like that in a few years time would have had these different franchises that aren't connected doing their own thing it would have been fun to just for one film even just have you know the third film in the flash universe the big finale have like an hour after the midpoint of just multiverse hopping between Matt Ree's universe and Mm. Ackerman and whatever and that just be it because I don't need the explanation really to why Ben Affleck isn't doing Ben Affleck Batman anymore um yeah I feel like it's it's fine to just move on from it and accept that we're in a different universe and one woman might know Ben Affleck's Batman, but you know, everyone is see each again because Ben Affleck's off doing his own thing. Like it's fine. <laughs> um you know, once you pull the plug on the side of films, I just kind of went, well, it doesn't really matter anymore because we're not going to connect them anymore and that's fine. Mm. It's totally fine. But the I think the modern it's annoying because I think this leads into a bigger topic, I guess, of the modern audience and the way that they see franchises now. And Cause I was having a conversation with a friend who I won't name, <laughs> but I was having a conversation with a friend, and it was quite irritating, I guess, to like hear just kind of a general view on what makes the Marvel films good. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of this thing of um, I was, you know, for the most part, I really, really love quite a lot of No Way Home. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of talking about um, the character of Ned and his sort of role to play in the, in that film and how kind of. Each film, especially the second film, but also the third film, I guess, um, I've been quite disappointed with how he's been used and how it's kind of became this gimmick sort of uh, a side joke sort of character.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I kind of just said, it's kind of annoying to me that Peter Parker has a best friend. I have no idea what he's like outside of Peter Parker and their fun scenes together. Um, I, just, I just thought I mentioned that and then it kind of became this wider subject of, well, it's good. It's like it's good writing because later on, we've seen him use magic, and now that means he can use magic later on. And I was like, yeah, but what?" I would like to know more about him as a character. I don't just want to see him set up for a future film to do his own magic thing. And I think there is this weird thing where audience now, audiences now just accept that a film is good or will be good in the future because it's set up things to be played off later. Um, because that's what Francis do now. They play off mm-hmm. things later on and reference things later on. And for the most part, I think Marvel will do that pretty great and all that. But it has been sort of hardwired into us now as an audience that we're all about the connective tissue sort of thing. <laughs> like, it's all about mm-hmm. that now. And I think it's really kind of became a, a kind of a, a train, I think, around certain projects that are just doing a film for the sake of doing a film. Like, it's became this weird thing where it's like, You've got to make a Batman film but remember you kind of got to explain why and where and which universe you're in <laughs> like it's got to be that now hmm. and you know it's just sort of frustrating that films can't very at least very rarely just can't be made anymore just for being made if that makes sense um, and I think you know post credit scenes are very fun but I kind of have to say that recently I've really quite enjoyed seeing a film and the film ends, and it's, it's over.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I enjoy post credits and all that, but I think, you know, Dune or, you know, whatever it may be, like, seeing a film, a big blockbuster film, and the film has a very precise, meaningful last shot, and then that's the film over. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, the film has no, like, ultimate uh, teaser trailer for the next film. I do think that's just really, I quite, I think I just quite miss that. And I think, yeah, I think it's I don't know, it's became hardwired into audiences, I think, that they expect uh, an end game to every franchise, <laughs> which is kind of the, it's, uh, I don't know, it's became a really kind of, across the fly, I think, a lot of these franchises now, where it's like, you gotta have things in here now, so that later on we can do this. Mm-hmm. And when you look back on, you know, we we don't love the 89 Batman film or the Batman Forever, Batman Robin, Batman Returns, like those four films are very just like Tim Burton's, like is this his Tim Burton vision of the world and it's Joel Schumacher's vision of the world and the continuity makes no sense because an actor is playing Batman differently in each film um, but somehow Alfred and Christina Gordon are the same but Gotham changes every film. Um, Harvey Dent uh, is played by Lando Kairosian and then he becomes Tommy Lee Jones (laughs) like it's just like it makes no sense continuity wise but we it back in not like back in the time frame with those films being made you would just accept that they recast an actor and that was it and now you've got to do like a multiverse thing happened and that's why Ben Affleck is now Michael Keaton (laughs) you gotta do all that now and it has to make sense and has to all fit in together and it's like you don't have to (laughs) it's a film and we can just enjoy the film for us all merits um yeah you know it's how do do you feel about us not being able to have films as much at least anymore for just the sake of having a film if that makes sense
1: Mm. yeah I think there is another the expectation from people that there's going to be post-credit scenes there's going to be little nods to other films in there (laughs) Uh, one prime example is that if you go and see a marvel film in the cinema and the film finishes no one will leave
0: <laughs> yeah that's true
1: uh, everyone knows that there's going to be a credit scene um and there is that expectation which does uh, it does kind of hamper them that people are expecting things for the future but i do think that now now with marvel they have got that formula down. And I don't think it impacts the overall film that much. I think it's, again, if the system of, it becomes annoying if literally everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if it's DC, it's doing it. If it's Transformers, Ghostbusters. <laughs> if everyone's doing it, every single film as a post-credits scene, that's, that's become annoying. And, and I think that ultimately doesn't, it means that, marvel ultimately kind of get most of the of the flack for that
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but in my mind i see it as they're not really that they're not responsible for what other studios decide to do at the end of the day Mm. and i think there isn't anybody that's better at that kind of structure than them that's why they've made 27 films and they've got (laughs) another 15 on the way
2: Mm yeah
1: um and i think especially sort of phase three Back end of phase two, phase three, they definitely had it under control. There wasn't any conflict. And that's what... And the MCU is for example of what a studio that knows what it's doing and there isn't that much conflict Mm
2: -hmm.
1: looks like. I mean, because there was. There there was a creative committee that they clashed with the first few phases, but after they got rid of them and the same team were put in control. There has been a general... Just happy system. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think I, I do think with Marvel, uh same way with DC, like I got pros and cons with those films and it's like I but I think as the films went on, the way that they've handled universe setup and sequel setup is being very well handled. It's just kind of it's not the point of the movie mm. um at all, usually. And I think I do think it's just a like you said, it's not really Marvel's fault, but obviously with them being the most popular studio of now. Uh, studios will follow them and what yeah. they're doing and the way that they see it is very much just make a film I think Aquaman's a perfect example of like it's this weird thing of like it's half a film that's really just a James Bond film from the beginning to end but at the same time why is there a character called Black Manta in the entire film who has his own kind of origin story his own his own motivations and then halfway through the film he gets knocked out and he's never he's never mentioned again until the post credit scene so we just watch that character become a villain and grow into a villain and have his own conflicts and all that sort of thing. For it to go in absolutely nowhere at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And it's sort of one of those things where it reminds me of Iron Man 2, I guess, where it's like, why is Black Widow in that film? <laughs> I don't know still. Um, why are there two villains and one of them is just a generic Russian bad guy, even though got a really good actor to do the role. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think Marvel... Have really grown in that sense and really learned how to just not make a film and have the entire thing just be for the for the for the franchise at large. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Whereas DC are still in that process of they're not sure if they want to make a film or they want to make an advert sometimes. Yeah,
1: um,
0: yeah, it's yeah, I know what you mean. It's definitely it's not their fault, but it is a symptom of them being so popular. I think.
1: Mm. I think it, it translates to what we're seeing now in that there are a few teething issues with the TV shows that Marvel have done. Mm-hmm. in that people have said that they find some of the finales very disappointing and, and characters not used as well as they could be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, sure. But that, that is a criticism of those films. But I think given Marvel's track record, like you said, what they did with Iron Man, uh, Iron Man 2 even, the first few Thor films, is that I think we'll gradually see those issues fade. Yeah. Um, or at least, you know, optimist. The optimist in me says that because <laughs> I think it's just generally a teething issue. Because mm-hmm. it is at the end of the day, it's a new medium. Yeah, they have the same budget, but structurally and all, all and all of other independent parts are very different in TV than they would be to film.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I see. I think we are going to see them improve in that regard and just get used to the way the system works. And I think that's. That's ultimately what I think Marvel have shown over DC and that they are able to learn from the mistakes that they have made.
2: Mm, okay.
1: the, I also think it's helped them. They haven't really made any massive errors. Yeah. They haven't really made that one thing that oh, we should have made that kind of thing. <laughs> that, that, that there have been bits here and there and that's helped them. But they have ultimately learned from the mistakes and they have changed things when people haven't necessarily liked them, they've changed the director for the four films
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, they've changed the director for the, the Marvel Captain Marvel film
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and I think the fact that they're able to do that without the massive uproar of that Warner Brothers have got <laughs> whenever they when basically whenever they make a mistake and whenever they try and fix it they just seem to dig the hole even deeper yeah. Whereas miles yeah. do seem to be able to move on, move past it and they haven't been defined by any mistakes that they've made. Mm-hmm. Whereas these, DC are, are very much, you know, just as they came out in 2017 or whatever, mm. five years later, we're still in that shadow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like DC have made some mistakes and then just really concentrated on those mistakes. Mm. Um and not really just find okay we made a mistake let's just scroll from this
1: yeah if, and on the flip side they've also made mistakes and panicked or yeah yeah things have happened that didn't go the way they thought they would and that's made them panic
0: it reminds me of sony and spider-man where you know they're making a trilogy of reami and it's going very well and they make a third film isn't as well received and they panic and just hit the repeat button mm. and then same thing with making spider-man they made the a first film that was accepted and liked enough and in made the second mm-hmm. film and people didn't like it very much and then they panicked and rebooted it again um and it's just like one of those things where stop panicking <laughs> like it's it's okay to like stumble along the way to make you know these franchises work um i, I just you know i obviously the perfect situation is having you know a, a dark night trilogy or a loader trilogy where every every film was great and directed driven and has a vision and it's clear and it's precise and it's going somewhere and it all makes sense, that's, like, that's the ideal situation, but it's not the worst thing in the world to make one film that's a bit not what you're expecting, and then to just take the criticism and then learn from it. It's not that big of a deal, I would say. Um, but they have this weird thing where they just they just panic <laughs> instantly, um, compared to Marvel, who I think of, I mean, they could have panicked with Iron Man 2 and Incredible Hulk easily. Like, I must say Iron Man was a big hit, you know, for your next two films to be two of the lowest crossing ones. Well, the Incredible Hulk was, and then Iron Man two to be kind of very much agreed upon as a disappointment. You mm-hmm. know, um, they could have easily just panicked instantly and not made a third Iron Man film or Avengers, but they just kind of committed to getting some stable, like pretty good directors to make next two films, and then getting the all team together and seeing how it goes. And thankfully, it went very well. Um, but they actually committed to the plan. <laughs> like That helps when you just commit to it and actually try to see it through, um, which is unfortunately what happens. I mean, the Dark Universe, for example, <laughs> just like they made one film, wasn't very well liked, people didn't really go see it very much, and they instantly just like, were like, nope, I'm not doing it anymore. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Just take your time. It's fine. <laughs> like...
1: And generally, people can be quite forgiving. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I would, yeah, I totally agree. Like
1: Um Yeah, people think, can be brutal at times, but if you do try and fix things then reasonable people will accept it.
0: Yeah, I think you know, I think a perfect example of that is um uh, recently with the um the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films, like people at the time the film films coming out really just hated them and mm-hmm. thought that they were like a stain upon the previous trilogy and a stain upon the character and got the whole thing wrong. And, you know, if you just give people time to kind of, like, see the films of what they are and the good parts of them and hopefully make a sequel where you can concentrate on those good parts, um, then that sort of kind of initial backlash kind of goes away pretty quickly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, even, I mean, again, another perfect example, the prequels. People hated the prequels, and now everyone is so excited to see Hannah Christensen and Ewan McGregor on screen together again. Mm-hmm. Like, it just give people time and they will... Even if it's just nostalgia, like they will get nostalgic for it <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's no big deal that much. Like people will get used to it.
1: Um, yeah. It's just uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had something to say. And I completely forgotten it. <laughs> oh yeah, that was it. That was it. Um, and also, I think people people can can often get quite het up in sort of looking at the criticisms of of both franchises, both DC and Marvel. Um, especially when you get to the more unreasonable portions of the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and I think generally, I think we sometimes we do need to take a take a little bit of a step back, and regardless of whether you prefer DC or Marvel, regardless of what you think of of the films and the criticisms, sometimes you've got to take a little step back and just appreciate that we are very fortunate to be living in a in a in area where we are getting this many comic book films.
0: Yeah, definitely, with just. Yeah, it's insane that we are getting, you know, the Batman film that we are getting and an Aquaman film is coming out at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. That is crazy. And, you know, we are obsessed maybe a bit too much at the moment, with um, it's all connected, but mm-hmm. just look at it from the point of view of you, like someone being in 2002, for example, and they're hearing that a Batman film comes out of the same year as Aquaman and Moon Knight and She-Hulk and, you know, Miss Marvel, and it's like. No matter if it makes sense, like in terms of the universe, colliding and all that sort of thing it doesn't really matter that much because if it's good it's good like it's Mm -hmm. it's annoying for like i mean for me a perfect example is the x-men films where the timeline makes no sense Mm -hmm. and it's it is frustrating to think about it when you do think about it for too long and it is annoying and you wish it was better but i can still look at x-men first class or logan and love those films Mm, yeah and it the timeline stuff doesn't bother me too much it's just kind of the afterthought for me where like it would be nice if this made sense more timeline wise um it's just saying when you know that becomes the main priority of your film to just explain a timeline like mm-hmm. and marvel by the way have made mistakes with the timeline stuff like i think the most kind of in your face one is the um um Spider-Man homecoming and it's eight mm-hmm. years later title card that makes yeah. no sense like it's not eight years later it's definitely not <laughs> um and it's just sort of like it is. A, it, is a, it is. a You know, it is a uh, a problem and something that makes no sense. But it's just something you kind of look over and move on from. And the film is pretty good anyway, so just mm-hmm. don't worry about it. It's just a funny thing. That's a mistake. Like, uh, oh, a great example actually is. That, um, it's not the same sort of thing, but we are like obsessed with rubbing out mistakes and pretending never happened. Where, um, in the Mandalorian season two with jeans guy the guy that's in the background wearing jeans oh yeah and it's like a really fun stupid thing people made fun out of it It it's really funny and immediately they when the disney people whatever like they they're like scrubbed out of existence he doesn't exist anymore in the episode he's like he's patted out and Mm. looking back at you know star wars 1977 there's you know there's multiple things that are a bit kind of weird about that film and there's a people that hits his head on the thing and all that like there's there are mistakes and funny little I guess trivia things as well like in those films but they didn't panic and reshoot the entire movie to fix it <laughs> um, which is what kind of is unfortunately kind of is happening now because we, we can fix it in post and yeah it's yeah it's kind of a weird time to like it's fine if you unique you know, if a coffee cup is in a scene on Game of Thrones, like it's fine. <laughs> it's kinda of, it's a fun thing. It's not distracting for the most part, I would say. It's just kinda of funny. Um
1: it just seems a laugh about afterwards.
0: Yeah, it's things happen. Like it's, it's not it's not that bad. And I think that's what don't my, panic. Yeah. It's that sort I think it's brothers
1: sort of stop panicking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of them is Sony, stop panicking um, and I think it's just that sort of mindset of fixing anything when as soon as possible that's led to we're doing you know, we're doing a trilogy of Slider movies and then we're not and then we're doing this and then we're doing that Like, just either pick one or just express like, just tell us that you're just doing whatever you want now, like have an official mm-hmm. announcement where you're like it doesn't have to make sense anymore because they're not connected, but it's doing, we're just having phone with different directors,
1: to say that mm-hmm. yeah Uh, is there anything else you want to (laughs)
0: add i I don't know i think i don't know i feel like we've been quite mean towards dc (laughs) um i don't know i think at the moment it's a very weird time for franchise movie making because it's Mm -hmm. so it's so interconnected and so based on comic books now even things that aren't based on comic books are quite are quite comic booky in the sense Mm -hmm. that we expect a sequel to explain this and further be a tie in sort of view that explains what's happening in the background sort of thing. Um, And it doesn't need to happen. You can just make a film and it can be very good and we can just hope for maybe a sequel one day and that's it, like it's fine. Um, I think a great example of that is the Dark Knight trilogy, where I think each film could easily just be the final film in that trilogy. Mm-hmm. but and in each film as well something, something just majorly changes I would say even The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises which are more similar in The Battle Begins each film does change the location for example dramatically mm-hmm. and the bat suit changes and the tone even changes and how r- realistic it is kind of changes between each film and it, you can you know everyone argues this and it is true but I think the first film was definitely a superhero film the second film was a crime film and the third film was a war film and that is each film feels different even though it's connected and it made for a trilogy of films that are all great and won won an Oscar and all that sort of thing so Mm -hmm. it's it's fine (laughs) like don't worry about it
1: yeah it's yeah just just look at it and and see that there are good films and it doesn't need to be more complicated than that (laughs) (laughs)
0: that that is really it really
1: (laughs) um yeah it's at the end of the day, another thing we have to look at is we can't we can't judge these films or say whether they're good when they haven't been released yet.
0: That is true, yeah.
1: Um, and I, I, I think we've been quite respectful here in this episode. Yeah. And we've, yeah. we've been quite open to the idea that, you know, when these films come out, they could change our minds. Maybe we didn't like it the first Ackerman, but the second one will change our minds on that. I hope so, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think it's also something that we have to focus on is that we actually want these films to be good.
0: <laughs> yeah, all of them. Like, literally every single one of them.
1: Mm. Maybe, we, maybe we're we not excited for some of them, but I think, ultimately, we, we want them to be good because we want the characters to be done justice. We also, we just... We want it to be a good film. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: And people people with ideas of, of what's going to happen and what's not going to happen, and If if this doesn't happen, they're going to be angry, or if this does happen, they're going to be angry. Mm-hmm. Just everyone needs to stop panicking. That's my lesson for the world. Last week we had an existential crisis. This is me telling you all, right? Stop panicking. You're right. Don't be angry. Take each film as it comes. Everybody just needs to stop panicking a bit. Mm
0: -hmm. It would be quite nice
1: if that happened.
0: And like you're saying, yeah, I totally agree with, like, I want every single film on this list to be good. It's not... You know i would love it if the rocks passing project is trying to be he's trying to get 10 years end up being very good mm-hmm. and if the flash didn't you know if it was if it somehow did make sense of the whole thing and it was a very good film on its own that would be the ideal situation that and i hope that is the case like i'm mm-hmm. not thinking that this film is for sure going to be bad or even just confusing i just think you can't help but have worries about them because they are they are films and are made by people that Sometimes do you make mistakes, and studios at times do make very weird choices. <laughs> so you can't help but not worry about it. But the hope is for all these films, Marvel, DC, or whatever, like whatever films be made, you just hope it will be good, and you just want the best for them. I think, and I think if you've had like, I always think that they don't exist exist anymore, but I'm more surprised to find out they do. And it's these people that are kind of like a film is good because it's a Marvel film and a film is bad because it's a DC film. Or mm-hmm. it's all, all the opposite way around. Like, it's insane to me that that still exists in the world. And, uh, yeah, it's a good film is a good film. That's the end game, ironically, here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's just it. Um, so I think this idea that, you know, you got the idea that you've got to pick a side in these studios is... Number one ridiculous because they're both billion dollar studios that don't care about what you think <laughs> and on the other hand they just you know people are just making films because that's what they love in their life film and they want to make more films so just you know support them big or small films if you can like just try to hope for the best with them and you know i think even in our most angry reviews or whatever when we write or on this podcast i think for the most part that is all from a place of just i would rather this was good and what the director probably wanted it to be rather than what the studio what usually is the studio forces it to be Um, Mm and yeah because you know even Marvel alongside Warner Brothers can be sometimes quite controlling which is unfortunate because that's how again studios studios no matter how well they're doing do panic and uh, Marvel you know for a while we were going to get an Edgar Wright uh, Ant-Man film and we didn't get that Mm -hmm. because Marvel panicked at the idea of a Marvel film directed by Edgar Wright, I think, at some point. And, you know, especially with Star Wars as well, with um, the amount of directors getting fired midway production is is concerning, really, <laughs> and really odd to hire people and to ask them to come on board and do their own version of Star Wars and then to fire them because they're doing what you asked them to do. Uh, yeah, just weird choices all around <laughs> because, you know, you would hope that every film was unique and a director or writer or whatever is doing their own stamp on it. Um, to, yeah, I think <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just trying to say support films.
1: Mm, yeah, support <laughs> films, enjoy films. Everyone's happy.
0: Yeah, that's just all we want. <laughs> uh, have you
1: got anything to add to this? I don't. I think I think that wraps us. That brings us to a neat conclusion.
0: Cool. This is uh, a shorter one than last week, which was like. <laughs> two hours 20
1: minutes <laughs> yeah it was that was a bumper that was a yeah.
0: that was as long as no way home i think
1: <laughs> <laughs> god yeah
0: oh god okay so uh bring it home
1: yeah go on bring it home okay
0: <laughs> okay so thank you for listening i hope this one wasn't too controversial or interview you listen to us compliment dt films because <laughs> um, mm. some people do you, some people do actually hate people who have positive things to say about DC films, which is weird, or mm. Marvel films, um, but yeah, I hope you didn't, you know, find it <laughs> offensive, I guess, <laughs> but you know, this is very a very casual conversation about DC and Marvel, and their different approaches to the same genre, and the same type of filmmaking, and how, you know, both have their pros and cons, and we hope that, if you haven't before, or whatever, that I hope that through this podcast, at the very least, we've kind of inspired some sort of I don't know, recognition of both films, mm-hmm. both franchises that's been made by people that want to make films and just, you know, support them like we were, like we were saying and yeah, but, yeah
1: mm-hmm. think when, when, One thing to just finally add is that, mm-hmm. on that note doing this podcast has helped me to understand films more than I did before mm-hmm. and I think one of the biggest things I always think of is that before we did this podcast I wasn't the biggest fan of the Snyder films in the DCU mm-hmm. However, through listening to this podcast, seeing other people's opinions, listening to, it, to you talk about Man of Steel and Batman v man, I have found new appreciation for them. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend it. I recommend listening. Yeah. Re- trying does. to enjoy films.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I really appreciate that because, you know, I think mm. I always, I, I think it's one of the best feelings in the world for me personally, whenever I don't like a film or I have very kind of an iffy opinion on a film and then like a year later I hear a podcast or I I see a video or Mm -hmm. read an article and it's sort of a perspective that I didn't see before and it kind of even if I don't love the film after that I still appreciate it much more yeah and I think a perfect example of that for me is um uh for a long time like 10 years of my life I loved the first Matrix film and I hated the sequels Mm -hmm. and then I don't know I think it was like 2015-2016 I, I'm not sure if I saw a video or if I, oh, I read an article or something like that, but I kind of somehow got a different perspective on them and then re-watched them and each time I've kind of came back to them I've appreciated them more and more to the point where I now love them in some ways uh, the same way I loved the first film and you know I loved the entire filmography in fact of The Wachowskis which you could argue every, every film that they've made is quite controversial mm-hmm. <laughs> since the first Matrix film and I think I think that's one of the best feelings you can have of interacting with other people about these this this medium medium or this creative medium is you come away from it kind of seeing it from a different angle and having more appreciation for it even if you don't agree with it, um, which is a really great feeling. And I think it's if you're withholding yourself from that feeling, I think it's kind of a mistake, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think you're kind of worse off for it if you not hear people out even if you don't agree. Um, and I guess that goes for life in general. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, it's getting very deep. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, that is kind of a great aspect to, I guess, the internet as well. You can, you know, actually hear people talk about these things from so many angles that you wouldn't have got before. Um, which is great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> that's right. wrapping up. Yeah. I just want to remind you again that we do have a podcast. <laughs> again. <laughs> we do have an Instagram account. Um, at Marlinson Podcast. We do reviews. Uh, today we did Car Atlas. <laughs> as of, you know, today doing it. Um, we also have the Harry Potter films coming up. And a top five comic book performances coming up as well. Um, and we also have, the, you know, this podcast coming up once a week uh, for the most part. I also got a Twitter account at Cinema Marvelous. Uh, doing the same thing over there. Just feel free to contact us, retweet or share or like or whatever it may be. Um, same thing in the podcast. The podcast. What do you call it? The podcast provider. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> feel free to give us review or like us or share us over there because it helps massively of getting us out there in the world and mm-hmm. people interacting with us, which is nice. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one and thanks for listening.
1: Thank you for listening fine.